Hi, and welcome to the Redhead Talks Taboo. I'm so excited you're here and can't wait to dive into our topic today. Healing codependency. When you do away with the people-pleasing maiden, you make room for the empowered queen to rise. (laughs) But first, I recently had a birthday in October, and I wanted to share some birthday wisdom. In true Christina fashion, I got a little existential, assessing life, you know, professionally, romantically, spiritually, as one tends to do around their birthday. (laughs) And I had to remind myself to feel it all, yes, but then to reel it back in. If you tend to overthink or overanalyze, which I think a lot of us deep feelers and highly sensitive people do... It's important to reel that existentialism in. I had to remind myself to chill out. I brought it back to play, to time in nature. I went and shot some arrows, moved my body. I got creative. It's important to recognize that this life is an experiment, not something to get right or make perfect. You haven't been here before. You haven't done life before. So stop being so hard on yourself. This is all a new experience. Essentially, everything is field research. You are a researcher. So go live and collect that data. (laughs) We are animals whose DNA and behavior hasn't caught up to the society that we're living in yet. We are not meant to have everything figured out. And releasing the urge to control that leads to a liberating surrender, leads to a much more pleasure-filled life, a much more present one. So have fun with the unknown, with the questions, with the uncertainty. Be curious. (laughs) Okay, enough deep thoughts for now. Let's get into this episode. It is a juicy one. And now not juicy in the way revealing secrets from the Playboy Mansion and exploring sexual liberation was in the last episode, but instead juicy as in what makes this life worth living? What's it really all about? You know, beneath the silliness and the playfulness and the pain and the struggle, What's it really about? Love. (laughs) It's about love. Oh, and I love that this episode is about love. And it's also my birthday episode because I am a Libra ruled by Venus, goddess of love and sex. I am a lover girl in every single way, through and through, hopeless, romantic, passionate, devoted. Like if I have feelings for you, I don't want to just cuddle. I want to burrow into your ribcage and take up permanent residency there. So I can tell you that a lot of time codependency is a misunderstanding of what love is. So we all just want to be loved, right? We want to be seen for who we truly are and then loved for that truth. But what happens when we want to be loved so badly that we compromise too much and we put up with things we shouldn't and abandon ourselves to get that love and to keep that love? Hello, codependency. Oh, codependency, you slippery trickster, you. (laughs) 
I'm, I like to describe it as the invisible puppet master orchestrating your life until you become aware of it. Codependency shows up in careers and in friendships, not just intimate relationships, because it's a lifestyle. It's the way you show up in life. It's a mindset, a way of moving through the world small and walking on eggshells, focused on people-pleasing and accommodating and nourishing those around you instead of yourself. Codependents define themselves through their partners and through their relationship. So the most basic definition for codependency is that if your partner is not okay, you are not okay. The more detailed and clinical one is it's a psychological condition or a relationship in which a person manifesting low self-esteem and a strong desire for approval has an unhealthy attachment to another person and places the needs of that person before their own. You look to your partner to complete you. Now, codependency is not recognized as an addiction yet, but it is one. And I'll be doing sporadic episodes on codependency, and the next installment will be on how it is an addiction. Um, Relationships and codependency is a topic I've written an entire book on, so I have lots to share. But today, we're going to specifically be focusing on how tapping into your feminine essence and your receptive feminine power can help heal and eradicate codependency while strengthening and nourishing your relationships, both with your partner and with yourself. I'm going to give you three actionable tools later to help heal your codependency and change not only your relationships, but your taste in men from broken boy to stable man. (laughs) Yes, I know that's a big proclamation. I'm not going to say this episode is going to change your life, but I'm not going to not say it's not going to change your life. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh my God. I'm a little feisty today. It's birthday episode energy. And no joke though, the three tools I'm going to give you shortly changed my life. But first, a few sentences on where codependency began, because you know I love giving some history. (laughs) Codependency was first coined in 1950 in context to AA to support the partners of alcoholics uh, who were entwined in the toxic lives of those that they cared for. Codependent people subconsciously choose partners that need a lot of help because that's where they gain their self-worth from. Mm. There's this quote from Dr. Renee Exelbert that says, Codependency is a circular relationship in which one person needs the other person, who in turn needs to be needed. The codependent person known as the giver feels worthless unless they are needed by and making sacrifices for the taker. So people with codependent behaviors believe if they're loved by their partner, then they're lovable because they don't have enough love coming from within. They try to help 
and fix a partner determined to get them to their potential. They might mother and smother and lose themselves completely in trying to save their partners, all out of a desperate need to be loved. People with codependent tendencies tend to be drawn to compulsive personalities and mentally unstable people, emotionally destructive and abusive partners, and they become obsessed with fixing and saving them at the cost of their own lives. They will do anything to hold on to the relationship that they're not even happy in because they are so starved for love that they will take it any way they can get it, no matter how damaging it is. Since, as I said earlier, their self-worth is found outside of themselves. It's found in the partner, in the relationship. So as you can imagine, there are many ways to approach codependency, which is basically the idea that if your partner isn't okay, then you're not okay. Because when you're codependent, your mood, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your entire existence is based on how your partner feels. So we're going to go break down codependency through the lens of queen energy versus damsel in distress maiden energy. Okay, now people-pleasing, maiden energy... The always trying to help and fix and save energy is a controlling nature based out of a helpless mindset. It's a needing to be rescued mindset. The codependent maiden is trying to control their partner, control their environment, control everything out of a misguided attempt to feel safe. Codependent damsel distress energy is chaotic energy. It is unmoored. It is not self-aware. It's emotionally unavailable because you don't know yourself enough to know your needs. People with codependent behaviors avoid themselves and numb themselves by throwing themselves into their partner, basing their entire existence on their partner. So codependency is lost. It is chaos, it is highs and lows, it is obsessive and compulsive, all-consuming, it is a dysregulated nervous system. Uh, Codependent people are not turned on by their lives because they are sapped dry by their energetic vampire partners. Codependents don't know how to nourish themselves. They do not fill their cup first. Their cup, their cup is not even in the kitchen. It's not in the cupboard. It's not in the dishwasher. It's not even in the house. Their cup is still on the barge coming from overseas where it was made. Now, in contrast, liberated queen energy. Now, queen energy is basically the opposite. Queens are turned on by their lives. They have regulated nervous systems. They know themselves. They know their attachment styles, their triggers, their trauma, their inner workings, their inner knowings. The queen does not need to be rescued. She rescued herself long ago. She's worked hard at creating an amazing and full life for herself and now sits back on her throne with a discerning eye and only allows 
in what adds to her life. (laughs) You think a queen on her throne is going to concern herself with changing a man, fixing or saving a partner or waiting for them to step up? (laughs) No way. I like to describe codependency, okay, as if you're on an airplane and it's empty except for you and your partner and the captain who tells you over the loudspeaker to put on your oxygen masks. But you look over to make sure your partner's going to put theirs on first and they don't. So you try to get them to put one on and when they don't, you try one in the next aisle. And they still don't, so you try the other aisle, and then another aisle, and then another aisle, and they refuse them all. And during this time, you're not even thinking about putting your own mask on. You're just focused almost obsessively on getting them to put their mask on because you care more about them than you do yourself. And you don't even realize that while you're trying to get their mask on, while you're trying to save them, You're losing oxygen. They never put on their mask. So inevitably, both of you end up on the floor of the plane, blacked out and dying. (laughs) Not to sound dramatic, but codependency ends in death, one way or another. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, who you are dies. But what's amazing about that is when you get to the other side, you get to have the rebirth. So if you're listening to this, you're either already on the path to your rebirth, or you've had the rebirth, or this moment right now is the beginning for you. So how does tapping into your feminine essence and power help eradicate codependency? Now, keep in mind when I say feminine and masculine, I'm talking about the energies that are within us all, not genders. I'm talking about the masculine and feminine energies of the yin and yang, the sun and the moon, the receptive and the productive. This polarity can play out in all relationships across any genders, just as codependency does. Tapping into feminine energy, that of creativity, receptivity, and empathy strengthens your relationships. Now, masculine energy is directive energy. It has a goal. It's focused. It's about achievement or doing something. Whereas femininity is about receiving. It's about being open. Our bodies are literally made to receive. But how many of us are actually comfortable receiving? That's another reason why 50% of women are not reaching orgasms with their partners because they are not comfortable receiving. Society has conditioned that out of women. But receiving is, it's, it's our birthright. Women need to get comfortable receiving just as they need to get comfortable nourishing themselves. I mean, our womb is made to receive their penetration, their seed, their energetic life force. Damn. (laughs) This is why casual sex, sex without an emotional component is such a scam. A woman's body 
releases chemicals immediately to bond with the person she's allowing inside of her. She's allowing in their energy, their potency, their trauma, their love, their power, receiving all that into her precious womb space. Wouldn't you want to be sure that that energy and power is as sacred and healthy as your womb itself? Okay, now to many, what I've just talked about might sound like a foreign topic. To be so connected and in reverence to your body, to your womb, to what you allow inside of you. And that's because you've most likely been taught to reject your feminine energy. In our current patriarchal society of productivity and capitalism, the feminine energy of rest and receptivity and revering and nourishing and worshiping our bodies, it's not respected. It's not encouraged. And this brings us to our first actionable tool of the day. Number one, putting yourself on a pedestal and being more selfish. Yes, uh-huh. I'm telling you to be more selfish. I am giving you permission to be selfish. Someone who's codependent or has spent their life people-pleasing has lived a life oblivious to their own needs, unaware of their wants, and disconnected from their voice. So when I say be selfish, it means start connecting to those wants and voicing them. It's like that meme that says, oh, she's in her villain era, but she's really just enforcing healthy boundaries and advocating for herself. So the ways to be more selfish and put yourself on the pedestal and connect to your needs um, and get to know yourself is through self-discovery work. Codependency work is self-discovery work. It's undoing the stickiness that society has conditioned into you, which for many young girls was to play the role of pleaser, the peacekeeper. So, (laughs) stop being polite and easygoing. Stop being the chill girl with no needs. Get comfortable disappointing people. Women were raised to put everybody else first, not to disappoint anyone. We were raised to make ourselves small for others' comfort. We were taught that our big emotions are scary and to suppress them into congeniality. To be vanilla and amiable and beige. Beige. So that everybody feels comfortable. Fuck that noise. Stop being beige. (laughs) Vanilla ice cream is boring. Stop apologizing. Stop shrinking yourself. Stop worrying if others are comfortable or not. They're grown-ass adults. If they're uncomfortable or they have an issue, it's their responsibility to communicate that to you. So be more selfish. Your homework assignment (laughs) is going to be for you to water yourself. The assignment is always going to be for you to fill your cup first, to worship yourself, to nurture yourself. And then I guarantee you what happens is you become surrounded by people who are also nurturing you, who are also worshiping you. Melody Beattie, one of the queens in the codependency world who wrote 
but basically the codependency Bible called Codependent No More. She says the formula is simple. In any given situation, detach and ask yourself, what do I need to take care of myself? Self-care isn't selfish. It's self-esteem. It's self-love. It's self-respect. And being more selfish means spending time on you, on art, on creativity, on time in nature, on dancing, on therapy, on doing breath work, running outside in the rain, (laughs) discovering the things that you like. This is all healing medicine because connecting to your body and connecting to your play and your silliness connects you to your wants and your needs and that connects you to your voice. And a more empowered voice one day becomes loud and strong enough to say, this queen deserves more for her one precious life. And she leaves the lopsided, toxic, unhealthy relationships and chooses herself. (laughs) Number two actionable tool is detach. It's an acronym from AA and uh, Al-Anon. And the letters say, don't even think about changing him or her or them. (laughs) When I learned this premise, I was like, oh, you mean I wasn't supposed to dive into the darkness with him and devote my entire existence to saving him? (laughs) Oh, you mean dimming my shine and losing my light and my energy and my magic wasn't going to lead to a positive outcome? (laughs) The thing is, you can't lead others into the light by stepping into the darkness with them. Also, it's not your responsibility to help anybody or save anybody or get someone to reach their potential. Because who are you to say what their potential is anyways? I climbed into the darkness once to try and bring a partner light, only for his darkness to suffocate me. Only for me to finally realize I needed to choose myself. I needed to love myself and find my self-worth from within. And that's when I began the self-discovery journey from people-pleasing maiden to queen. The queen on her throne does not waste time changing a partner. She doesn't waste time on a partner that isn't matching her energy and isn't on her level. She sits back with her discerning eye and observes and chooses her partner wisely because she loves and respects herself. There's this quote by Ianla Van Sant that I love and you'll hear me reference often. You don't get to tell people how to love you. You get to choose if you want to participate in the way they love. So instead of diving in with someone and then realizing all the ways you want to change them, choose someone you don't have to change. (laughs) Now, this isn't a popular opinion these days with everybody talking about triggers and attachment styles and love languages. People are eager to tell their partner how to love them. 
You don't get to tell somebody how to love you, though. You can communicate things that you need. You can communicate wants. But the foundation of who they are, how they naturally and authentically show up in the world needs to be enough for you. Let the person be who they're going to be and then decide if you want to be around that person. Sit back and watch how they show up in the world and if what's important to you is important to them. How much do they drink? Do they eat healthy? How do they talk about their family, their past partners? How do they treat you? Are they consistent? How do they show up for you when they're stressed out? Do they follow through with their words? Um, Do they take ownership over their behavior? How do they show they care for you? And do all these things line up with your values and your wants? I had a partner once who, who knew I loved to celebrate anything and everything, so he'd create scavenger hunts around the house for me on even like the smallest of holidays. Once for Easter, um, and we were not religious, he, he did a scavenger hunt with little Easter eggs and tiny love notes in, in each of the eggs. I didn't have to ask him to do those things. It was just in his nature, and he enjoyed doing things that made me happy. In contrast, I then had a partner who didn't even send me a card for my birthday while we were long distance and had been apart for months. Cards are everything to me. He knew that. I started checking the mail two weeks before my birthday and continued two weeks after. This was one of the countless ways he showed me he couldn't give me what I need. Uh, He blamed his addictions and his mental health on why he didn't send me the card. The same things he had blamed his anger issues and his emotional violence on. And I continued to desperately try and change him. You cannot want to desperately change your partner. You cannot want to hope that they are going to step into their potential. You cannot live your life waiting for them to turn into the person you want them to be. Because over the course of, say, 50, 60 years together, you both are going to grow and change a lot. So you need to have that core foundation of just mutual respect. And if you want to change someone, you don't respect them. You don't respect their choices. And if you don't respect them, you can't feel safe with them. At one point when I was dating, I was only meeting up for dates at outside venues. And when the man would ask me out, I would say, oh, I'd love a spot with a beautiful outdoor patio. Some would reply, oh, do you have a favorite place in mind? Others would suggest a place. And then when I would look it up and see, it wasn't actually outdoors Or it would have like an enclosed tent, which is basically indoors. Okay, then there was this one man who literally gave me six suggestions in detail and mentioned that two of them had a tent covering as opposed to open air. Damn. I went out with him (laughs) and I continued to see him. It was a small thing, but the small things are the big things. And the care in which he respected my request was indicative of who he was as a human. I didn't have to do anything to make this person show up in in the world in a way that really worked for me and that was important to me. That's just how he was. 
Okay, which leads me to the third actionable tool. Number three, choose yourself. Put on your crown. I'm currently workshopping an acronym for crown. (laughs) This is workshopping, okay? So when I tell this to you, don't laugh. Okay, so the acronym for crown, constantly remind ourselves we're notorious. (laughs) Or constantly remind ourselves we're nirvana. I'll let you know when it's finalized. Like I said, it's being workshopped. (laughs) But we need to constantly remind ourselves that we are worthy, that we are allowed to take up space and be with someone who worships us. Codependency is very much about being chosen. You want to be chosen. You need to be chosen. You abandon yourself to be chosen, to be loved. Which sounds rough, but to an extent is natural. A favorite Gabor Mate quote of mine explains how we are wired for connection. He says, people have two needs, attachment and authenticity. When authenticity threatens attachment, attachment trumps authenticity. Basically, it will always be our instinct to choose love over our authenticity, over our ourselves, because we are pack animals. We come from tribes. To be left alone was to die. Choosing connection and attachment, it's survival. But to what extent do we dilute ourselves? Do we silence ourselves and shapeshift to appease others? How much do we abandon ourselves to be loved? And the thing is, behaving that way means you're not showing up authentically. So in turn, you're not being loved for who you truly are. Choosing yourself means leaving when your needs aren't met. Leaving when abuse begins. Leaving when your light is being dimmed. People with codependent behaviors won't leave until they develop relationships with themselves. Until they develop that self-love and self-worth within. In a codependent relationship the codependent person has most likely asked for their needs to be met over and over and over again, and they haven't been. Taking it back to the original definition of codependency in the 1950s when the spouses begged for their partners to stop drinking. Einstein said doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is called insanity. You have to break the cycle and choose yourself. Put on your crown. (laughs) All right. This has been a lot of juiciness. So let's wrap up. And in conclusion, saving people is no longer where you find your worth. Your worth comes from within. When you tap into your feminine essence of the queen on her throne and that of the the receiving and receptive energy, you do not try and change anyone or rehab anyone. 
And you focus focus on who they are in the moment, not who you want them to be, not who you know they could be, who they are right now. And then do the detach acronym. If they didn't change at all from who they are right now, would being with them be in your best interest? Be more selfish. Put yourself on the pedestal. Choose yourself. Codependent work, codependency work, is self-discovery work. It's personal development work, and that will increase your self-worth. So the next time you find yourself trying to uh, change someone or chase someone or begging someone to treat you properly, I want you to visualize yourself sitting back in the queen's throne, putting your hands up on the armrests and take a breath, take a moment, pause, observe what is going on as if you're a third party and then assess if this is for your highest self. Is this bringing you closer to your queen self. And if it's not, you have the strength to let it go. I promise you, you do. Ah, Thanks for tuning in for this birthday episode of mine all about love. I hope this episode helped you to love more about yourself, learn some ways to love yourself more, because the relationship you have with you is the most important and All of the other relationships in your life are born from that. So go forth and love. Remember, you're a researcher. So go out and collect that data. Love hard and love silly and love big and juicy with strong, healthy boundaries. And most importantly, love yourself, baby.